When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Breeders' Week here on Trot's Life on SEN Track is the National Livestock Director at uh, Landmark and also uh, Nutri and Equine, and that's Mark Barton. How are you, Mark? Yeah, really well, thanks, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm terrific, mate. Um, really excited to be talking about breeding all week. And it's, uh, I, I look back to only a couple of years ago when uh, you and Nutrien uh, embarked on this um, treacherous, adventurous journey. And look, I can only imagine you feeling really good about what's transpired between then and now because it's been a, a very quick progression. And racing, harness racing, it's never easy to get the um, the patronage and the trust of an industry, and I think it's happened relatively quickly. Is that is that how you're feeling as well? Yeah, look, it's it's uh, it's been a a, oh, a busy couple of years, I guess, to get to where we are now. But it's you're right. I think it's it's a conservative market. The people in the industry, uh, it's a lot of people that are in harness racing, uh, second, third generation. So, so for a new business or a new group of people to come in, it takes time, I guess, to like you know touch and feel you and, and get to know who we are. Um, where we've we've got to in a short time, I think we have. Yeah, the teams worked hard, but I think um, the market's been happy to give us a go too, which has been a big big help. And you know, the first sale was you know, a couple of years ago, and we're now looking at well four sales this year, so it has grown quickly. Now you've got great partnerships with a number of the kindred bodies that make up harness racing, and it's absolutely critical and crucial and integral. We know that. But in terms of the breeders themselves, I mean, how much work is done there? Uh, in terms of educating, in terms of uh, working with the breeders themselves? Because really, I mentioned right off the top of today's show, the breeders, despite being the cornerstone of the industry, they live in the shadows in a way, don't they? I mean, they're doing their hard work at home, on farms, um, with um, with uh, mare situations where they're up all night, they've got the clock on, and they're doing the hard work. But do you... On the ground, do you have a close association with them in terms of letting them know what's required to to probably get their best result if they are going to take a a commercial perspective at the sales? Yeah, look, definitely. I think one of the important things for us is we've seen a a changing of the guard. I guess you've got Art Major and Better's Delight that really has dominated those two sides of dominated breeding in Australia. And we're looking at a catalogue of horses over the four sales this year, that will probably be nearly 40% of those will be um, uh, colonial size. So you've, you have, what, where people bred in the past was always, look, will they accept that horse into the sale? Um, we're probably keen to see that next superstar is probably going to come from one of these lesser known horses. And we still need the international horses to, to give us that flavour as well. But I, I think our, our involvement, yeah, not telling them what horses to breed to, but know that they've got the confidence to try something that 
there is a market there for it. And like I say, getting up towards 40% of the horse this year will be domestically bred stallions. So I think that's uh, that's exciting for the Australian market. And what's the process working with these breeders? Particularly, say, um, you've got a, a smaller breeder that goes to a colonial stallion, a little bit cheaper. We, we've spoken about mindset a couple of times with Greg Angle and Clayton Tonkin about changing the mindset and trying to do it rapidly to sort of alert people to the fact that these colonial stallions, they are the sons of the great North American size that we followed for a long period of time. Um, how do you educate the breeders in terms of giving themselves the very best opportunity? I know that Nutrium would help a hell of a lot in terms of um, the videos that they produce and the opportunity to showcase your horse as well as possible. But how do they go about that process of making sure that even though they might be going to a lower profile sire, A, they're going to get in the sales, which you've already mentioned, big tick, but B, that they're going to get something out of it when they go? Yeah, look, I think that's a, it's an interesting one too. You've got um, a lot of horses that um, you know value for money, I guess. You know, one one here local, I'm based in Wagga, Tintin in America, I think stood last year at about two grand. But you know, we saw we saw Progeny um, winning on the track, but we've seen Progeny in the yearling sales making up to seventy thousand. So it's yeah, that return on investment. Um, different um, stables have different um, benchmarks, but if you can get a horse that you can get four and five times uh, a service fee. I think that's where you get real value. And I think uh, the other thing, talking colonial size, other than the Miracle Mile, I think most of the, the, the high value races are over distance. And yeah, you know, the North American horses only run over the mile. So I guess some of these colonial styles are proven also to be able to manage and run over distance. Like our recent sale uh, races at Menanga last week, um, you know, those horses were running distance, even the two-year-olds. So I think that's something that, that when people are looking at their breeding options and people racing horses looking at their options, that they're looking for horses that have that versatility. Well, you're now going to have the sole Victorian sale, uh, sale, at least this is what I'm told. I'm pretty certain I'm right there. So having that breadth of um, of opportunity for both the vendors and the buyers, because I'll be honest with you, Mark, I haven't had a huge history at the sales, but I went to a couple last year. And I, one thing I really noticed is that the really smart operators, the people at the top of the tree, all really honed in on a few that they desperately wanted. And so they created this um, this massive hubbub and everyone was having a crack at them. But if you've got that breadth, then there's going to be more people, isn't there, coming to the sales and thinking to themselves, well, I'm going to leave, um, um, I'm going to leave the big guns, the Don Martellos and... And uh, and the people who buy for Emma Stewart and whoever it might be, to one side, and I'm going to focus on this part of the sale because this is where I think I can get some value for money. Look, I, I think with numbers too. Look, we've got catalogs just over 300 for Melbourne, which will be a two-day sale, uh, the second and third of April. Now, that in itself means that there's going to be a horse for for every every price yeah. bracket. I guess you you're seeing your top end horses, yeah, 150s, 60s there last year. Um, I think there's going to be horses that you'll still buy between you know ten and twenty thousand. And the, the the I guess that the other thing we talked about with breeders, one thing I guess which is it, it's it's a hard one to try, try and educate a market. But I think the cost of producing these horses have gone up probably twenty percent in the last couple of years. Um, just if you look at input costs with you know chemical fertilizer, labour, diesel, et cetera, et cetera. I think yeah you know, we we're averaging thirty five thousand last year, and I guess that was one of our challenges. How do we get the owners, the trainers, and the buyers of horses to recognise that a horse making 35 really needs to make 40 for that breeder of horses to get the same net return and still produce an, an exceptional racehorse? And I think 
that's you mentioned before the cornerstone of the industry um if you look at the economic impact of the of the industry uh the, the breeding base would be well over half of that probably two-thirds of it i'd guess would be all the effort and um and and, it, and value that gets put into these young horses before they become race horses well i spoke about it earlier uh mark and really you you, you yourself and nutrient are at the very cornerstone of what makes the industry tick because so often uh, we look at, for some reason, in harness racing and racing in general, we'll pick out one thing that we reckon, oh, if we can sort this out, everything will be great. If we can look after our owners better, and of course you need to look after our owners better. If we can look after training, yes, all of it. But at the end of the day, if there's not horses and a certain number of quality horses going around, you don't have a product. It, it, it all comes down to what happens in the breeding barn and what happens at the sales, doesn't it? Because if we don't get that right and we don't support breeders and make life a little bit easier for them we just don't have it's like not having enough athletes to play in the afl 100 percent. and i think if you start looking at even the new zealand market at the moment you know they're seeing a contraction in their in their broodmare band um the challenge also for the australian market you get mares once they get to say four year old there's not a lot out there on the track for them so you do have a fairly lucrative market to see those better mares sold of the sold of the state so that breeding base of the Australian broodmare band, we want to try and retain those. Um, so I guess if we look at what are the things that we can do, number one, we do need a, an outstanding band of um, <clears throat> mares in Australia so we can keep producing quality horses. Uh, and I think that we're talking about colonial and international sires, but we can't underestimate, you talk about people honing in on horses, it's that mare strength, that that mare where you see three and four, you know, um, exceptional uh, horses on a page. And I think that's, that's one thing that the Australian, um, you know, broodmare band is really, really um, high quality. It's it's world class. We we um, we need to make sure we protect that. And like I say, if there's more opportunities for mares on the track, that's uh, a better chance of them being retained in Australia as breeding mares after that. Yeah, we just can't lose too many to America. It just happens all the time, doesn't it? Unfortunately, but there are potentially ways around it. Talk to me, Mark, about the trotters versus paces because uh, we know typically speaking at the sales has been. Um, you know, a smaller amount of trotters. I think maybe in Melbourne after the Hunter Cup, you might have started with the trotters from memory, but it's not going to be too far around the corner, is it, where I'm not saying 50-50, but edging towards that and the prices are going to go up. And I feel personally for breeders at the moment, if I was breeding or buying, I'd be I'd be far more tempted to get into the trotters in, in, in many ways because there's huge opportunities and it's a market that isn't quite as saturated. Look, I think that the trotting gate, um, we've actually combined both our, our paces and trotters on the one weekend now just to, to make sure that there was, it was inclusive. And I think the buyer, and particularly those stables, a lot of the you know, main stables these days have tra- uh, trotters and paces in their stables. So it's the same you know, trainer that's probably buying a few, a few of each. is always specialists. Um, with Yabby Dam, Pat Driscoll and his team, they've been fantastic support for us. And I think you, know, you look at the, look, the likes of... Um, yeah, you know, his draft of horses and the Aldebaran draft. You know, you've got to. We'll probably get out of three hundred. We'll be getting towards a third, I guess, this year. Um, we'll be trotters in Melbourne. We'll have a handful in Sydney and a handful in Brisbane. But I think the opportunities you say are right. Like you see, um, our, our race uh, for two-year-old 
trotters there the other day was um was it was there was only the, the ten entries. So every horse that went there, well look, if you ran tenth, you got three and a half thousand for turning up, I think. So it was you know, there, there's value there for people to buy one and play with them too. Well for those who don't know, and most people who are listening will, but we've got to cover for for everybody who's listening to Trot's Live today and to Breeders Week. Um a huge, and I've used this term too many times, so I'll, I'll never say the word cornerstone again after today's interviews, but the cornerstone here is to give people opportunities to win the really big money, and we saw those race uh, series come to a culmination up at Tabcourt Park. Menangle, um, I know from Harness Racing Victoria, a really hard-working guy named Andrew Perchin, who's just started with the organisation, was up there, I think, as a guest of Nutrien, and these are so important, aren't they? Because yep. you need to go to the sales both with, you know, an economic rationality that, you know, you, you want to get some value for money, but also the dream must be there. Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I think um, all of us, they don't all make two-year-olds. I think, um, you know, one that we've got ourselves, like I've got a horse start, has, having its first start uh, this afternoon at Menangle. Um We'd love him to get up as a two-year-old for that race series, but he just wasn't ready. And I think that's the other thing. We've look at where the prize money is: 175 for two-year-olds, but we've got a hundred thousand dollar three-year-old race, um, and we're looking at maybe spreading that a little bit more evenly, so horses don't get pushed too hard. I'd rather have a quality horse at three than cook a horse at two. Um, but like you say, you got a two-year-old filly next year. Um, you go back to uh, to uh, Victoria, where our race series will be. You're, you're chasing $175,000, and I think that's the other one. I, I, I see real value in the fillies at these sales. Um, I think some of the top you know, owners do really focus on the colts, uh, and I think there's an opportunity to, to buy value very well bred mares um, or fillies that'll become great brood mares later on. And uh, the prize money's the same in those early, those two and three year old race series for um, for the nutrient series. So, Mark, before I let you go, just give a brief explanation of what is required to get into the sales for breeders who are um, right now getting very excited at this time of year. What, what what do you need to do to get into the nutrient sales here in Victoria or right around the country? Yeah, well, look, our entries closed. Um, what last week now? But we've, we've, what we do is they go online. People go to nutrientequine.com.au. <clears throat> they can go in there, register themselves as a breeder, uh, set up an account, and then basically just put in your um, your, your microchip numbers, or in the old days, your um, um, you, you, you put your um, your, your breeding details in there. Uh, the system will then help them put that that horse in. Uh, we'll then get. Uh, Alan Parker from WA, he'll do an extended pedigree page so the clients will get a look at that, make sure their maturities, et cetera, that they're eligible for are paid up. And we'll get that catalogue out online in October and go to print after Breeders Crown because there's quite a lot of updates you know, come as a result of that. So, um, yeah, so if, they, if there's someone out there listening that hasn't done it, um, we have closed it. They did give me a call. They'll, they'll find my details on the um, uh, Nutrient Equine website, and yeah, we'd certainly work them through it, as well as Bathurst we leave open until the end of November, um, which those horses at Bathurst will also be uh, eligible for the Nutrient Series if people want to pay them up. It's that kind of um, support and openness that I think, uh, again, I spoke about the trust that people are already getting in Nutrient. That's the kind of thing where people now still feel that they can they can get in touch with you via the Nutrient website and potentially you know get help, because I think that's been... Another thing, it's a really everything in racing, Mark, but particularly harness racing, and even more particularly breeding. It's 
if you're not involved, it feels really complex, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like something that's maybe a bridge too far. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to do it. But if we've got people like Nutrien helping, Harness Breeders Victoria, Harness Racing Victoria, Harness Racing New South Wales, everybody on the same page that are willing to help people get in, that's how you broaden the church, in my opinion. Yep. Oh, 100%. And look, we've... we've um uh, we haven't made an, uh, an announcement of it, but we're actually really pleased to get John Coffey. He's going to come on board as a as a consultant to us, as a breeding and um, um, sales consultant for this next season. Um, you know, John had been yeah, heavily involved in um, in sales and working with APG in the past, so he's he's agreed to come on board. And with that in mind, people that are looking for where do I breed these mares, he's one guy that that you know he's got forty plus years experience in the industry doing just that. Um, and trying to just help people exactly preparing, finding a preparer, making sure multi-vendor sarger horses do have to stand up against the others in the catalogue. So, you know, how does the horse look? So that that type of thing. So people are confident when they get to sale time that they haven't left um, any stone unturned. Absolute legend of the industry, John Coffey. Unfortunately, as a stallion himself, one of his progeny is Brett, which means that he was a little bit of a flop. At no, I love Brett Coffey. Great Great fella and uh, and another bloke is doing a hell of a lot of good in the industry, particularly from a breeding <laughs> perspective. Uh, Mark, it's been great having a chat, mate. Enjoy. Just last question off the top of your head, Melbourne sales. Can you give us the dates? I know they're a little way away, obviously, but when they will be? Yeah, look, we'll, we'll sell on we'll sell on Saturday, uh, Sunday the second of April, yep. and Monday the third of April. So we'll we'll have our um, our parade will be. Um, will be the first um, and then we'll, we'll sell on the second and third. So because of 300 horse, there will be a two day event and roughly half the, ca- half the catalog each day, maybe just a bit more than half, but yeah, the, the, the second and the third of April. Um, and yeah, that'll, that'll be pretty well, well from the beginning of March right through this, I think four sales in five weekends. So it's, it's going to be a busy, busy time on the east, Eastern seaboard with what nearly 700 horses to get sold. Very, very, very exciting time. Really appreciate your time, Mark. Um, we'll catch up soon. Sounds great, mate. Really appreciate yours.